You know what, Sam? What? It's time to talk about what our expectations are. Yes, it is. Coming to you from the heart of Kane's country, this is the Kaniac Report. Your number one source for everything Carolina Hurricanes, hot takes, predictions, game analysis, and NHL news. And now your hosts, Sam Wallace and Sam Driscoll. All right, we are back with another episode of the Kaniac Report. And Sam, like you said, your one-liner will be doing expectations for these players. I'm kind of titling these episodes as great player expectations and referenced a little bit to the book, you know, great expectations. See how I did that there? <laughs> but it's being a little smart there, aren't we? Yeah. So basically what we're trying to get in this episode and next two episodes, because this is going to be a two-parter, is that we know this team can win the Stanley Cup. You look on paper, they are very talented. Now, you look at this past season, some players have had disappointments, like maybe Tara Vinan, and then there have been players that have had reinsert- reinsurgences, like Netches had. He had an amazing season, and I think what's important, Sam, and hopefully what they can get out of these episodes is what what role can these players be at where we can win that Stanley Cup? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Because I think that's really important. If if the only, I mean, we're bringing in new guys. We have Orlov, Bunting, Lemieux, and we're we're gonna be great in those guys too. But if those are the only guys that we that we brought in and they're the only ones producing. We're not going to win a Stanley Cup. Everybody has to contribute. That's why okay. everybody has a role. Even your depth guys have a role. Yes. Exactly. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be uh, focusing on what role should be should they be playing in, and kind of along the stats side, the points. So mm-hmm. we're what we're going to be doing in this episode first is grading goalies, which is which for goalies, what we're going to be doing is save percentages. And then we're going to be doing defensemen. We're going to talk about, of course, their roles and, of course, the points. And, of course, the identity of this team, Sam, is the strength on the blue line. Yep. Mm-hmm. So how do you want to do this? Do you want me to start or do you, do you want to start? I'm guessing we're going to take this player by player. Type of yeah, player thing. player by player. Did we want to talk about the schedule first and um, what yes. we've got going on? Yeah, so for the schedule in August, um, note this is subject to change because there is a variable. Um, we're planning something big. We're not going to say it yet, but there is a variable, um, so it could change. But the last two weeks in August, we will not be producing content. Again, that could change, but that is the plan. The last two weeks in August, um, especially the very last week, I don't think we're going to be releasing the episode. The last two weeks, uh, or I would say the week before the last week, we might be again. There's that variable that I'm talking about, Sam, you know. Um, so uh, that's going to be the plan for August because we like to have a bit of a break before Kane's head to training camp. And Sam, that's when we'll be analyzing the Metro division, doing our official season preview of the Canes. I think it's good to have a bit of a break at times, too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Nope. Even we need a break. <laughs> yes, definitely. And obviously, Sam, I mean, 
the month of August, even if we were to take a break, I think is a good time to do it, especially not, I mean, not just for podcasters, but for anybody, um, um, probably in the hockey world, because right now the month of August is usually the deadest part of the off season. Usually teams are settled. Now, Sam, you and I, we've already said that the Canes probably need to do more, but I mean, could we see that training camp possibly? That's my question. See them making moves during training camp. Yeah, it's possible. I th- I believe they did that with Justin Falk. I believe when trading him to a St. Louis, I think it was around training camp when we traded him. So it's definitely possible, but uh, that's going to be the plan. So before we get down to breaking down the players' roles and the expected points that we think that they should get, let's go to our sponsor. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpmai.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50, 10 plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Hey, Canes fans, even if you're not going on vacation, summer is all about a vacation state of mind. Whether I want to listen to Zach Brown Band on repeat or just need to retreat inside my own head for a bit, I love creating my own summer soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. There's so much going on all summer. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people, or to stay calm with some guided meditation. Since I can have an old soul for music, I have a playlist I listen to that ranges from John Denver to Chicago. Let me tell you right now, Raycons are the best way to listen. Use earbud tap functions to toggle three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, including 8 hours of playtime, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips for the most comfortable in-ear fit. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. 
Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash THPN. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to save 15% off on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. All right, Sam, so we're going to start with uh, goaltending. And uh, the first player that we're going to get to is the Russian, Piotr the Great. Yep, Piotr the Great. What do you? I'll let you go first. So I think the role Kachekov needs to have, I think is probably a role to where he needs to be more involved than being a third-string goalie. I think he needs to be – my expectation for him is to be at least a backup because I still think this is Anderson's probably net after his performance in the playoffs because I thought Anderson was great in the playoffs. I'm not expecting Kachekov to be a starting goalie, but I expect him to to beat uh probably Ranta mm-hmm. or at least at least just be a part of the two goalie tandem that you're allowed to have on the team. That's my expectation for him to have and for him to be that great flashy goalie because he can he's a little bit flashy, Sam. I mean remember that huge diving pocheck that he had against Edmonton? Which was yeah. crazy. Um, he, he he can be a flashy goalie, uh, which a little bit reminds me of I think Morazic when we had him. But I expect Kachekov to really elevate his game. I, I expect him to be more mature. Um, I expect him to uh be a little bit more consistent in his game too, because even though he had a great stretch with us last season, Sam, there was a, a stretch too where he was allowed allowing a lot of goals. And of course, we played him a little bit in the New Jersey series. Uh, he couldn't really stop uh, some of those bucks either. So I, ex- I expect him to be more improved. What do you think, Sam? I agree. Uh, what 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 save percentage did you get, Piotr the Great? I think when it comes to save percentages, I expect him to have at least a nine ten save percentage. Okay, nine ten to I... nine fifteen. That's my range for him. I, I like that. Um, I agree. I think Piotr is I, – I think what you need to him to do is be on par, equal equal to or greater than Auntie Ranta this season, right? And this is going to kind of bleed into Ranta, so I guess I'll also go first with, with Ranta here. Um, I agree with everything you said on Piotr Kachekov. I expect him to kind of start moving up in the depth chart, right? So right now, technically, he's your third. Ranta's your second. Anderson's your first. I expect him to beat out Ranta. For that backup. So I also have Piotr at a 0.910 save percent average. That's where I need to do. That is a step up for him. That is better than what he had last season and the year before, which is, I believe he can do. Kochekov has consistently gotten better in that category his last two years. So he went, I think, 0.903 to 0.909. So it would it would be a marginal shift upwards, right? So I think that's reasonable. So then that moves me into Auntie Ranta. I expect Auntie Ranta to be a little bit better, but right within this margin of error for where he was last year, I think he was like a 0.913 or 0.912. I expect him to be a 0.915. So nice round numbers for uh, Ranta and Kachekov, 0.910 and 0.915. I expect Ranta to go out there and do what Ranta does and win games because that's really what he did last season. He would go in. He might not have the greatest performance or the flashiest games, but he always played well. And he yes, always looked well. He did. 
and I expect Ronta to do that again. So point nine one five, I think, is more than he is more than capable of doing that. He's been very successful. So yeah, I have nine point nine one five for Ronta, point nine one zero for Kochekov. I think that tandem as your backup tandem makes a lot of sense. But I do expect the Kochekov to uh, wrestle the backup spot away from uh, from Ronta. And I think if Carolina's to go far, I think Kochekov's going to have uh, a lot to say about that. Yes, I agree. I think. Um... If Carolina does win the Stanley Cup, I think Kachekov is going to play a key role. I'm not saying he's going to be the starting goalie, uh, but I expect him to have a key role, both in the playoffs, probably, and in the regular season. And I'll go ahead and talk about Ronta. You already talked about him as well uh, for a little bit. Uh, Ronta, um, I expect him to get 9-10, 9-15 save percentage. Again, somewhere in there. And, I mean, last season, I think the strength that Ronta had over both Kachekov and Anderson is just that he was our far more consistent goalie. Um, like what you said, he's not flashy, but he's a very good, steady goalie. Reminds, honestly, reminds me a little bit like Curtis McElhinney a bit, yeah. he's, where he, he he's just so sound in his crease. Um and he's able to make really good saves. The biggest question with Ronta, Sam, is I think, uh, and you could say that for say this for Anderson as well, is uh being healthy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that'll be a lot to do with it with Ronta as well and Kachetkov and who becomes backup. It's how healthy Ronta stays. Yes, definitely. And I think this is a good transition to go over to Frederick Anderson. Now, Anderson, I I mean, based on how he well, sorry, based on how he did well in the uh, playoffs, I kind of expect him to get around a 920 save percentage. I say around that. Um, I think it'd be great if he can have a higher save percentage, but I mean, the regular season is a long season. I don't expect any goalie, I don't expect any player to be perfect during those 82 games at all. Uh, to me, the only player that can do that is probably uh, Dreisaitl, McDavid, Matthews, maybe. <laughs> and those are more expectations. But I think with Anderson, I think a little bit similar to Ronta is that he needs to stay healthy. He really does. Wouldn't you agree? I do. Um, so in 2021-22, uh, Anderson had a .922 save percent average, and last year he had a .903. So that was a massive fall off for him, right? Uh, and over his career in general, he's hovered around that .920 save percent average, right? So he he's been pretty consistent, you know, um, .923. It was his best year when he played in Anaheim. Um, 0.922 against and when he played with Carolina, that was his second best. I'm kind of expecting him to take a step and really be that guy. And behind this defense, I think Frederick Anderson sitting at 0.925 having his best season is is not an unreasonable expectation for him. I think he's going to be your starting goaltender. I think if you are to win a Stanley Cup, if you're to be a president's trophy winner, I think Anderson needs to to be hitting these kind of marks, right? I think yes, it's more than does. reasonable to expect him to be between 0.925 and even 0.930. Wow, well, I, I extend that out that direction, not really to the 0.920. I just I expect him to be great. And I think the only reason that number drops is maybe if Piotr Kochetkov just 
you know, goes beast mode and takes over the team. And at that point, Piotr's probably sitting at the point nine two of Mark, right? So I think at that point you're looking at, I think you're really, you know, to sum up the goaltenders, I think you're looking at three capable goalies. And at the end of the day, I think either of them could win the net. Antiranta's proven he can play pretty consistently, pretty well. The problem there is he's injury prone. Frederick Anderson's a workhorse, so he can play four, five, six games straight back to back to back to back and not have any kind of problems. And and Kachekov can do that too. I mean, what did Kachekov started like, what, six, seven straight? When yes, I think he did. Anderson yeah. was hurt. And yeah, he did. So I mean, Kochetkov is a workhorse too. So I mean, you. I mean, at the end of the day, I think your starting goalie is Freddie. Um, I think the odds are more favorable that if something happens there, or Anderson just does, you know, falls off the earth, uh, Kochetkov is more likely than not to become your starting goalie. But I think if this team is to do well, you need Anderson to be hitting that point nine two five point nine three zero. And if he's not, I think you're in trouble. Yes, exactly. And I think what's good too, um, what you said of it, I mean, I I think it's pretty realistic for him to hit the 920 save percentage if you look at our defense. I mean, it seems like what's funny, I heard the hockey guy say that it seems like we're going to have 10 defensemen on the ice and three forwards. (laughs) Which, I mean, there's some truth to that because the amount of defensemen that we have is crazy on the back end. But I think that should really help these goalies to get those desirable save percentages that we know they can. Yeah, then I think that's more than reasonable to expect that. Yes, definitely. Um, so those are our three goalies. Uh, what our expectations for them are as hopefully we win the Stanley Cup this year because this is a win-now type of team. Yep. Now we're getting into defense. And Sam, let's start with Jalen Sheffield. I think this is an interesting player, actually. Amongst all the defensemen, I think he's very interesting. Uh, because I think right now, if we don't trade any of our defensemen, do you think he's the odd man out? Possibly. Um See, that's where I just don't know. And I don't know. And and does Carolina roll with seven defensemen? I think that's likely too, because I think you it's hard to justify benching Chatfield or D'Angelo. Right? I mean, there's a reason you signed D'Angelo. For the power play. Yeah, and, and that's to produce points. So I just don't know if that makes sense. So my expectation for Chatfield is for him to play, you know the full complement of games, right? Barring injury. Um, Last season for Carolina, he was uh, six goals, eight assists, um, 14 points, 23 plus minus. Um, And in the playoffs, he had four points and a plus one. So the Chatfield was fine, you know, comparable in the playoffs, really that bottom pair. And I think the playoffs weren't great. So that might be the only mark against him is the playoff. Chatfield wasn't probably what we wanted. Um, but Chatfield really started to come into himself toward the end of the season. Those 14 points really came the last half of the year when he started to, to put some pucks in the net. You know, he got six goals. That's pretty good for a bottom pair defenseman. Um, I expect him to take a really huge leap forward this year. Um, I'm expecting from him to play the full complement of games. He might even get some second power play time. Uh, I'm expecting Chatfield to hit somewhere around the 25 to 30 points. Um, I think Carolina is going to have, in my opinion, they're going to have three scoring lines. So 
And he's not really there to shut down. And that third pairing, if it's D'Angelo Chatfield or any kind of combination of that, uh, Chatfield ain't going to be out there to, to shut down people down. He's going to create offense. And we saw that he can create offense. Yeah, and honestly, I think of anybody on the back end, uh, I would say, except maybe rivaling maybe D'Angelo, I think Chatfield is probably the best skater on that back end because he has amazing skating ability. And what's interesting, Sam, he has the biggest plus minus on the team with a plus 23. So he he played excellent last season. I expect him to play like that. I I just think the expectation is that you hope he gets a little bit more points because I do think, Sam, I really think it's one of our defensemen is going to be traded, whether it's Pesci, whether it's Shea. I think one of them is going to get traded, which means Jalen Traffield is probably going to be a top four defenseman, and I think he can do it. I really do. Well, I don't think Chatfield's going to be top four. He's still going to be that bottom pair. He's probably going to play with D'Angelo because it'll be Shea and or or it'll be Shea Orlov or Pesci Orlov and then Burns and uh, uh, Slavin unless Burns falls off, um, which I don't expect to happen. But I mean, my my expectation at twenty five to thirty points, I don't think is outrageous. It's not too crazy off of what he did this year. Again, he had 18 points, so going to, you know, that's seven points more than last season. I don't think that's outrageous for him to hit that mark, right? You know, it's not a crazy thing there at all. Max, you know, that'd be 12 points more, and Carolina needs to score more. So I think him getting between 25, 30 points shows that this team is well on their way to competing well. Yeah. Um, For points, for me, I, ex- I expect him to get at least – around 20 to 25 because I, okay. I I think that's the only thing with Sheffield because he played amazing last season. I thought he was pretty good. Um, it's just he needs to get more points. I, and I I think he needs to have a much larger role because I do think one of our defensemen at the end of the day is going to get traded. So that's my too. thoughts on Sheffield. Uh, uh, Sam, the next player, uh, Dylan Coughlin. So my thoughts <laughs> here with, with Coglin is anything you get from him, it's a plus, right? And, and it's a bonus, only, yeah. And he's only playing in case of injury. So my expectation there is for him to get anywhere between 1 to 20 points, right? If he's on that higher end, because he's an offensive defenseman, right? If he's out there, he's probably going to get on the power play a little bit, taking some shots, you know, because at that point, you know, you're guessing that maybe D'Angelo's hurt or Burns is hurt or someone, you know, something like that, right? So someone's out there and Coughlin can play on your power play. And if he's out there, he's going to create you offense, right? His problem is on the other side of the puck. So I think one, again, you know, any point you get from him, I think is a plus. So somewhere between one to 20, I think that's good. Um, Coughlin's got a great shot. One of the best shots on, on the back end, in my opinion, he's got a better shot than some of those guys do. It's just, he doesn't have that skating compliment to really be overly successful, but the Carolina offered him a contract. Yes. They, and that they, tells you- they, they, they like Coughlin. Yeah, and again, yeah, and that says that they have they they see something there that he might be super, you know, he might end up being successful for the group, and it's possible maybe he comes back and he's faster next season. I mean, you don't know. We'll see what happens in training camp. That's what we should expect, though, is to have is for him his skating ability to be better. Yeah, and that's definitely possible. He's not an older defenseman; he's a younger guy. 
So we'll see what happens, but I think one to 20 is good. And that's a big range, but I mean, I think that number is attainable for him. If, if he, if he's near the 20, it's because someone got seriously hurt. Yes, definitely. Uh, so, so for the points exp- that I expect from uh, Dylan Coughlin, it's actually to me five to 10 because he's mostly going to be playing a depth role. I'm not going to expect someone playing a depth role to get 20, 30 points. I'm not, uh, but I expect him to get more points than he did last season. Dylan Coughlin, he got uh, three points, zero goals, three assists. And Sam, for a guy who is known for a shot, you want him to get goals. So I expect most of these points that, that I expect him to get to be goals. He has a great shot. He, and he needs to be in good positions to get those shots off to where it gets him greater uh, chances to score, basically. Yeah, and I agree. I think where Dylan Coughlin, you know, what, what he's going to need to do is really show that he can play in training camp. So come in training camp. And honestly, I thought he had a good training camp last year. So for him to come into training camp this season and really impress, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility. And for him to even be better. I mean, we'll see what happens, right? He can come into training camp and then that's going to be, you know, it might give coaching staff some real, you know, tough choices to make, which I think is always a good thing. But yeah, I mean, I think that point production for you is reasonable. Again, I I think the one to 10 is the most expectation. If he's near 20, it's because someone's hurt. So if he's playing consistently, I expect him to be closer to that 20 point mark. Again, that's if someone seriously hurt. Um, If he's... If he's that depth role, it's between that one and 10 points. So, but any point I think you get from Coglin with the current construct of the team is a bonus. So I think that's just how you have to look at it with him. Yes, definitely. Uh, the next player, Sam, is Tony D'Angelo. Sam, we signed him on for, I think, a very good contract. Mm-hmm. And he is known for, like Coglin, a little Coglin, in the aspect of being a good offensive defenseman. Uh, we, so I expect him to be on the first power play unit. I really oh, do. Okay. okay. So he takes Burns' spot? Yes, I do. I think it's okay. going to be D'Angelo number one on the first power play unit and Burns as your, on your second power play unit. And I think when those when both of those players are at their best, I think that's going to help the Canes power play a lot. Um, Burns, I think, just needs to shoot more on the power play. That's my big mm-hmm. thing with Burns because <laughs> he has a great shot. He's known for it. And D'Angelo, uh, he's not really known for his shot. He can shoot, but he's known for his playmaking ability. He's great at passing the puck. So I think with D'Angelo, I I expect him, honestly, I mean, he got around 40 points for a crappy Philadelphia team, which I think shows something about him. Even though, yes, defensively he has huge issues, um, I do think D'Angelo, my expectation is probably to clean up a little bit on the defensive side of things, but also show the player that we had two years ago. And the fact that he was amazing, he got over 40 assists with us two years ago. He was excellent. And Honestly, I think with D'Angelo, I think at least if he at least hits 35 to 40 points, I think we're good. 
I agree. I think D'Angelo is going to be a big part of your power play. I actually have him on the second unit because I just don't know if Rod's going to take Burns off of that first one. And you might want a more of a shooting defenseman than a passing defenseman on the first unit and a guy out there to take bombs from the point. Um, but I think the argument can be made for D'Angelo to take yeah. over that first unit for sure. I mean, they're both offensive defensemen. It's one or the other, unless Dimitri Orlov really shows something there. But um, I actually think D'Angelo is going to get somewhere between 40 to 50 points. So wow. I think he's interesting. So I think he's going to do something there. Um, but I also expect D'Angelo to really take advantage of where he's going to be slotted in on this lot roster, right? He's going to make the power play better. So he's going to get a lot of these points on the power play, but he's going to be taking advantage of a lot of teams, third and fourth lines, right? That's where he's going to be defending. So he's going to be able to, once that third, you know, once the checking line, because if D'Angelo's out there with stall, once they get in there into the four check, D'Angelo might be able to set some up with his dynamic passing abilities, or he might be able to score some goals that way. Um, D'Angelo is going to be in a position, I think, and that's why I also have Chatfield at a higher point range. Is I think that pair, because I think it's going to be Chatfield and D'Angelo, I think that group together is really going to outskate the others. Yeah. Teams, third they're, pair they're, defense. They're, they're going to outskate them and they're going to outscore them. And that's the point of D'Angelo. And I think that's what he's going to provide you. So I think 40 to 50, I think that's reasonable. And I think he can attain the higher end of that number. Definitely, especially if he's on the first power play units. Uh, the reason why I just like to see him on that first power play unit is because you're probably already going to be having quite a bit of lethal shooters, like probably Svetch up on that first power play unit, maybe Jarvis. Um, so that's why I, I like to see D'Angelo, because I think that unit probably needs a bit more of a playmaking ability. So that if you do have that, then you're going to have a better chance to shoot and score. Um, so that's why, but D'Angelo, I think he's going to play a huge part in revitalizing that power play. If yeah. And I think that's, Stanley Cup. I think that's definitely a real, realistic thought too. No matter what, he's going to be on your power play. He's going to create chances, whether that's the first unit or the second unit, he's going to get points and that's the benefit of D'Angelo. He can, he can, if Burns can't do it or, you know, whatever, D'Angelo can quarterback power play. That was never a yes, problem. He, he made our he made our power play significantly better. So D'Angelo is going to get a lot of these points on the power play and he's going to make the power. He's going to revitalize it. Like you said. Yes, definitely. Uh, the next player, Sam, my favorite player on the team, Jacob Slavin. Um, so what's funny to me when it came to points with Slavin, I was like, you know what, if he can hit like at least 15 to 20 points, I'd be happy. The reason why is because he is mainly known for his, um, defensive abilities he can shut down any team's top player even if it's mcdavid and we've seen him shut down mcdavid before and it is fantastic it is wonderful i love seeing that i love to see that on replay every day of my life um but i think what slavin is i mean in order for us to win a cup is to be that best defensive defenseman that we have. And he he's certainly has shown signs that he's not going to slow down in that department. Yeah, no, he's going to keep doing what he's doing. However, I have a higher expectation on points for you 
because in fact a 15 point season from Slavin would have been would be equivalent to the 2020-21 season and he only played 52 games. So I think that would be a huge regression and I think at that point we need to be concerned. So I actually have Jacob Slavin kind of hitting where his average is right now and that's 30 to 40 points. So if you look back at his career, 16, 17, 34 points, 17, 18, 30, 18, 19, 31, 19, 20, 36, 2021, 20, that was the worst season he had. Again, 15 points but he only played 52 games. Um 79 in 21 22 he had 42 points that was his best year for points and then last year he had 27 so he took a little step back but on average you're seeing him sit right around that 30 point mark right so I, I think expectations there for 30 to 40 points and if he's on that top end and I mean it, let's look right 42 points in the 21 22 season guess who was his guess who his partner was uh, it D'Angelo. was the, yeah D'Angelo so do you do you maybe see at that point does maybe D'Angelo play a little bit more with Slavin? I think that's possible. Depends on what's going on with Burns. He is an older player, and maybe you need someone a little bit faster on that pair with Slavin. But the reality is there are four. No, I, I would say there are five defensemen on this team who can play on that first pair with Slavin. I think every single one, maybe the exception of Coughlin, probably the only player who couldn't maybe keep up with Slavin or be a benefit. But, I mean, D'Angelo can, Pesci could, Shea could, Burns could, Orlock could, Chatfield. We've seen Chatfield do it. All yes, these guys, we we've seen, and we saw Pesci do it for years. So they all can play with Slavin. There's no question about that. Because Slavin um, makes them better. Yeah, it really does. And Burns and D'Angelo are going to produce points. And by the fact, by you know, default, that's going to create some points for Slavin too. So 30 to 40 points, that's where Slavin needs to be. If he has anything else, that is a fall off for his career averages. So I think that's where we need to see him at. Yeah, you know, I, I would agree with you there. The reason why I said set a low bar for his points is because of his role being that defensive defenseman. But you know what? I, I I'm probably am leaning toward your point there, and the fact that he probably does need to have around 25 to 30 points because of the amount of ice time he's going to get. Uh, he's going to be playing with our best players in the likes of Aho, Svetch, and Jarvis, most likely. And I mean, Slavin. I think when it comes down to it, I think he is the best all around defenseman that we have on this team. So, and if you want to know something funny about yes. Slavin is in the playoffs in 60 games, 60 playoff games, he's got 33 points. He's just over a, a under a base, a little bit over a half a point a game. So Jacob Slavin, he gets points in the playoffs. He's notching something about every other game in, in the playoffs. And that's really good too. So Slavin shows up in the playoffs. And I think that's a telling stat for sure. Yes, um, it so it's really good to see what we can get here for Slavin. Um, I think another factor that's fascinating is Slavin hasn't played a full se- a full season since the 18-19 season. So we'll see if this is a year because you have 68 games, 52, 79, 76. So we'll see. Maybe Slavin gets another, maybe gets you 82-game season. I just don't think that's going to happen mainly because toward the end of the season, you know Hurricanes are going to lock up a playoff spot earlier than later. So you might not need him down the stretch. So. Exactly. We'll see what goes on there, but it might be good to see him get the full 82 um, just for stats wise and see kind of what he does with the full 82 amount of games. Definitely. So uh, Sam, next defenseman, there is a lot of trade rumors swirling around him. That's Brett Pesci, but Sam, if he does 
uh, somehow stay with his team for the regular season. I think all of us would be shocked. But regardless, I expect him to be another defenseman, a little bit like Slavin and the fact that he is known for being a good defensively sound uh, defenseman. Now, here's the thing. He's not as consistent as Slavin is. Uh, We have seen holes a little bit in his game, especially, I think, during that Florida series. Um, I thought, even though I probably say both him and Shea probably had a little bit of holes during that Florida Florida series. Uh, The thing with Pesci, I think he he needs to be, I think, a little bit better skating-wise. He can be a little bit slow. Um, And I think... Funny point here that crossed my mind. Do you want him to shoot less? <laughs> um, I want him to shoot smarter. Shoot smarter. There you go. There you go. So I had a hard time here with, with Pesci because I just, of all the defensemen on the team, I kind of view him as a redundant player. I just don't know if there's room for him on the roster anymore. Which is unfortunate, and I, I want to be clear. I love Brett Pesci. I think he's been a great player for this team. He's been one of the most consistent defensemen we've had on this team for a very long time, which has been great for us. I mean, Pesci's got, you know, decent numbers, right? 15, 16, 16 points, 16, 17, 20, 17, 18, 19, 18, 19, 29, 19, 20, 18, 20, 21, you know, 25, 21, 22, 28, 22, 23, 30. I think your question here is, you can tell by me rattling off those numbers, is they're a little bit inconsistent. Um, So with Pesci, I think you just need to take a look and realize a couple things. One, what you get from Pesci, you can get from Chatfield, who's younger. So if you're going to give a contract out, I think at the end of the day, that contract should go to, to Chatfield. And, you know, just looking at his numbers, they're okay. His plus, basically what I see here, and and this is the most telling fact, since the Hurricanes have become a playoff team in the 18-19 season, and that's where I'm going to start, 18-19, 35 plus minus. The next year, 7. The year after that, 14. The year after that, 5. And the year after that, 11, which was last season. So... A little bit inconsistent, right? That number goes up and down, and he has yet to attain that plus 35 um, in the 18-19 season. All right, so I think you can see here his defensive ability has kind of relapsed, right? 35 to 7, 14 to 5, 5 to 11, right? So you see that numbers, the averages have been going down the last few seasons. Um, But he's still a defenseman that everybody really, really values, right? And I think that's for good reason. In the playoffs, he's 55 games, 20 points. Um, he's got a plus one. So in the playoffs, he seems to have a more tendency to be on the ice, maybe for a goal. And last in the last playoffs, I think that's the most telling where he may have got you points, six points in 15 playoff games. He was a minus four. That's not good. <laughs> you, you can't yeah, have that's not good. Being, you can't have your top four defenseman being in the negative. You're not going far at that point. Um, so I think you just got to look at it here, and at that point, I just don't know what my expectations are for him. His point totals have gotten better. 
those are the only things that have like on average from the 1920 season, he's been moving in an upwards direction again, 1825, 28, 30. So I guess if he's playing and in a similar role, I guess I expect 25 to 35 points. So kind of right around that average mark for him. Um, But again, my belief here with, with Shea is simple or with Pesci is simple. I just don't view him. I just don't know if there's a place for him anymore. Would you say that more about Pesci than Shea? Maybe yeah, I, I, okay. would. I would. I would. I would. I like Pesci, but I, I view what Shea brings to the team a little bit more value right now. Yeah, I do too. I was at. I mean, last night I was actually watching some recaps of Hurricane games. I was like, you know what? I just think Shea is just a better all-around player than Pesci is. He's definitely better skating-wise, and I think his shooting. And offensive ability is better than Pesci's. So yeah. um, I think with Pesci, I think the reason why there's a lot of mystery around him is because because there, there's a lot of trade rumors that's screaming so loud around him. And I think that's kind of making it hard for us to um, make expectations for a player that I think has a good chance of not being with his team at opening night. So yeah. I think that's yeah. a huge thing with Pesci. Yeah, and then just and then you you kind of mentioned it. So then I'll I'll just move us into to Brady Shea, because I, I think these are the two players, right? That people compare them to each other all the time, right? And I think that's reasonable. So let's take a look at Brady Shea, um, for Carolina, and we'll start from when he started with us, right? I was in the nineteen twenty season. That was not a good year. He played seven games. He wasn't good for us at all. I mean, he just, it didn't, he didn't really come into himself till the next season. That was a shortened year, 2020, 2021. That was COVID year, three goals, seven assists, 10 points. It's hard to really mold into a, a, a team when, you know, it's, it's COVID, right? You can't get close to your guys. So really the one, the season where he really started to mesh with the team was in the 21, 22 season, right? Two years ago. Full 82 games. He had 39 points, 22 plus minus. Wow. Career Almost high, 20. I believe. Yeah, it was a uh, tied ti- yeah, That's right, tied. Tied career high for the 16-17 season with the, um, with the Rangers. But he had a career high in goals. Actually, no, yeah, that year at the time, career high in goals. Nine. This season, he had one less point. He scored almost 20 goals. Wow. I, I And this is where it comes to the point where you just – and Shea can shut them down with the best of them. Yes, right? he can. So if you're giving me Brady Shea and Brett Pesci in the last three two seasons with Brady Shea really being completely folded into the team in the regular season, 39 points, 38 points, 9 goals, 18 goals. It's so hard for me to choose Pesci over these numbers, right? Exactly. I think the biggest 21, 22, uh, Shea had uh, 22 plus minus. It was plus 22. And that year afterwards, it was a seven, but he produced more offense. So I'm going to take that, you know, as it will. Now, here's where I believe Shea has some struggles. Playoff numbers aren't very yes, good. Playoff numbers are not good. And the first year, 1920, he had eight games played. He had two assists. That was it. That Granted, that was, again, the bubble year. Carolina didn't play all that good anyway. And the 2021 season, he had no points. None whatsoever with us. He played 11 games. He was a negative two. 
eight penalty minutes. Now his career year, tie career year, the 2020, the 21-22 season where he had 39 points, he only had three points in 14 playoff games. The year after that, the 22-23 season, he had four points. You need more in the playoffs from Shea. So that's where it is. And, and then Pesci as well, he hasn't really shown up a great deal in the playoffs as well. So, you know, at that point, I'm like, well, if I'm going to have two defensemen that haven't really shown themselves to be valuable in the playoffs yet, well, I'm going to choose the one who scores more in the regular season, hoping eventually that translates. Exactly. So, you took, yeah, you took the words out of my mouth there. I would rather have Shea than probably Pesci. And that's hard, right? That's hard to say because I, I love Brett Pesci as a hurricane lifer, right? He has only played with this team. And to see him go is going to be hard. And you and I have argued that the need probably to move him for a top six. Um, a lot of times when you and I make these conversations and we talked about Ajo similarly, it's what's best for the team. It's a business viewpoint, right? And you have to do that. And we try to. We're fans. We love Brett Pesci. We'd love for him to stay. We'd love to keep all of these guys. But at the end of the day, it's a business. And the reality is you want to get better. You got to give up some. And I think at this point, you're in a spot where I, I the reality is you have two defensemen that are pretty similar and Jay and Pesci. And then you brought in Orla. So you have three defensemen that'll fit that second line role. Someone needs to go. Exactly. And I think and you just gave Orlov a two year eight million dollar contract, basically. Um I think that means that Pesci's out. Yes, I agree. And what's funny, I mean, if you look at the history between that pair of Shea and Pesci, uh, when Shea first came in, Pesci was far superior than Shea yeah. was at the start. And now it seems like Shea's taken over that role. It's kind of flipped a little bit where Pesci um, isn't playing as well as Shea is. And Shea, he yeah. has shown he can score goals. I think the thing with him, from my expectation, is to get him over the 40-point mark. I really now, think he can hit it. And now I'll give this to to um you said 40 goal mark? No, 40 point mark. Oh, I was about to say, oh my goodness. No, I don't expect 40 goals from Shea. Just imagine if he hit 40 goals though. That'd be insane. Uh, I agree. But I mean, just the, just as a comparison to, to Brady Shea. So in the two best seasons for for Pesci in those years, right? 21, 22, 22, 23, those are those two players' best years. Um, Pesci had 29 points, 28 points in 21, 22, and 30 points last season. And then, like I said, with Brady Shea, those points there were 39 and 38. So, and their two best seasons, both cases, Shea had 10 more points. So, my yeah. expectation for Brady Shea, I expect 30 to 40 points. So, yeah, I agree. I think we see Brady Shea stay in that nice, soft, you know, that nice, happy middle between that 30 to 40. I would not be surprised if he ticked closer to 50. I think that's possible. Um, but I expect him to be right around between 30 and 40. And I think that's reasonable. I think that's expected. And I wouldn't be shocked. And I, I expect I, him to say. I really think he can hit 40 points, though. I really do. I do, too. Um, so I think this is a year for that to happen. Yes, I think this is a year for that to happen. And I think if... Uh, Pesci does go. I think Shea will have more of an identity with the Hurricanes, probably. 
and uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, for Brent Burns, Sam, this is another player similar to D'Angelo. He's going to help on the power play. He's a good offensive defenseman. Thing is, though, is that there's more weight. There's more responsibility that Burns has on being that offensive defenseman than D'Angelo does. Um, and I think Burns, I think if he can do, if he can show what he was last season, I don't think there are going to be any problems with Brent Burns. I think with Burns, I expect him to get around. I expect him to hit at least 60 points. So kind of, kind of around there because he is pretty old in age in terms of uh, the ages that um, play on the ice from um, being a teen, like 18 years old to like your late 30s. He is definitely 37, 38. I think the thing with Burns is we don't see age catching up to him. No, and, and we haven't yet. And again, like you, like I've been doing, which is rare, Sam. Usually you're the analytical one. I'm the one who's been diving into a lot of their numbers today. Um, because you're interested. I like to have you take the spotlight every now and then. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so let's talk about Brent Burns' numbers, right? So let's look at his time in San Jose. He played there for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 years, 11 years in San Jose. His best season was the 18, 19 season. He had 83 points. Sharks made the playoffs and he was also elite in that year as well. He had 30, he had 16 points in 20 games. So we all know full well, and in with it, Burns can score points. That hasn't changed. Even in his last few years in San Jose, you're looking at 45, 29, and 56 games. So that can be extrapolated out. So that 29 is deceptive. 54, right? So Burns is still getting, you know, in those top end points expected. Yes. Carolina, 82 games. He played full full complement, and he got 61 uh, 61 points, 19 plus minus, 18 goals, 43 assists, and 15 playoff games, he had nine points. So he was still producing in the playoffs. Exactly. So, what do I expect from Brent Burns? I expect more of the same. In fact, I'm actually going to tell you, I expect more. I expect Brent Burns to hit 60 to 70 points. So I'm expecting him to stay where he's at, if not exceed it. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets over 70 or is closer to a point per game. Now, I think that point-per-game margin would come into effect if Carolina gets themselves another top six forward. So, Because I think right now their biggest, weakest link, like we've talked about before many, many times, is they don't have a true they, – they need another center. They do. Um, and I think if they get that Elias Lindholm-like – you know, that Elias Lindholm-like players, and Mark Scheifele is one you've mentioned too, I think Carolina is in a position to – I think Burns is in a position to hit that 60 to 70 points, if not maybe closer to the 80 point margin, which he's done before. So it's not to say he hasn't, he doesn't have an ability to be closer to a point per game. He can absolutely make that happen. So I expect that. And then overall in the playoffs, 109 games and 71 points, Brent Burns is a playoff guy. He produces in the playoffs. So if this is the year age captures up to him, D'Angelo's numbers are going to look a heck of a lot better than what we're probably saying. And Burns is going to look worse. But I think the overall point total of these guys is going to be where, if you were to add everything up, that's where it needs to be. And right. Burns is a big piece. I think if Burns falls off, I think you are in trouble. Because um, that puts you in a position where you've got a guy who's fallen off who might not be able to, you know, skate anymore. 
but I really just don't, I, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think he is so fit and I think he's so has such an ability to play. I wouldn't be shocked if he played another five years in the NHL because I think he can, right? I think he's one of those guys like Yager who could really just keep playing. Exactly. Because he has that ability to do that. He's able to, he's an Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. Really and he doesn't fit. get, and he can play a defense. It's not like he's a bad defensive defenseman. He's, he's able to skate with a lot of these younger guys. You can play our system. I just I, I view Brent Burns as a player who could play into his 40s, and I wouldn't be shocked. So, of course, age can catch up to anybody, but right now it just hasn't shown that. So yeah, I which no is I think it's going to. Yes, which is great, and we we definitely don't need to see the burns that we had at the start of last season because it took him some time. Um, so that's to get point. into so the that's mold. why. So that's why I really think that Burns is going to come into himself, and why I think that closer to that 70 mark is more is more reasonable because you're not going to have that slow start that he had for being with a new team. Exactly. So uh, the last player, Sam, we're going to discuss for this episode is the newly acquired Dmitry Orlov. Um, he is known as a top four defenseman. I think he's known for his two-way ability. I think he can get you some points, uh, but you can't rely on him to be a huge offensive threat like Burns or... Um, or D'Angelo, and I th- and I think he's still a pretty good, solid defensive defenseman, and with the likes of probably uh Slavin and Pesci, though he might, and and I would say probably a little bit of shade too, but but and I think he's probably more toward their side of the defensive acumen. But Orlov, it's going to be interesting to see what he does with us in his first year. Yep. Um, with the Bruins in seven playoff games, he had eight points. He had eight assists. Um, with the Bruins, he played 23 games, 17 points. So he was racking up some points in Boston and, and Washington last year, 19 points, 43 games. So he scored more goals and had almost as many assists with the Bruins as he did with Washington in less games. So uh, he's a guy who can put up 30 plus points. I think that's reasonable to think that's possible. He, I mean, if you just kind of look at his career, 15, 16, 29, 16, 17, 33, 17, 18, 31, 18, 19, 29, 27, 22, 35, and then 36. So I think that's possible. I have a lot of unknown with him right now. Same with here point, with point totals, which is why he has one of the bigger swings. I said anywhere between 25 to 40 because I don't know what his role is. And I think a lot of you're closer to that 40 if Pesci's gone. If yes. Shay and Pesci are here, you're probably closer to the 25 to 30 range. So that's where I'm like, I just I need to see the final roster to really know what's up with Orlov. Yeah, see, that's why I had him of expecting to get around 25 to 30 points because Pesci is still here. Pesci and Shay. I mean, I think I think Pesci's the obvious one to go, but I mean, I've seen arguments saying that Shay should be traded over Pesci, but um I think Orlov, he's definitely a top four defenseman. That's one thing I know about that. About or yeah, about no, for sure. I think his biggest weakness in the playoffs is plus minus. He's on average. He is a minus seven. Even with Boston, he was a minus three and he was a point per game, but Boston didn't have a good playoff. (laughs) So 
there there is that there where Orlov probably wasn't the problem and reason why they missed. So I'll tell you right now. I mean, I'm just looking at his overall numbers, just kind of what he's done, even in international, right? In the World Cup of Hockey, uh, he he does so well playing. He gets points, and his career is very good. He's played a lot of international hockey and NHL hockey. So I'm looking forward to or- Orlov is going to be interesting. I-, I think if you see Orlov closer to that 40 point mark, I think this team is probably the best team in the National Hockey League. I, I think him, he's going to be that barometer, right? He's a high paid player, the highest player defenseman we have, which is really odd. I think <laughs> it is, but but with the term, I'm okay with that. Exactly. So you know, it's two years. He maybe resigns with us. If not, it's okay. I mean, we've talked about it before, right? Morrow and Nikishin are coming in. You've got Chatfield. Really, your top four, because Shea's going to be there for forever. I, I view with, you know, or not Shea, uh, Slavin's going to be there for forever. So Slavin, yes. Chatfield, Morrow, Nikishin, I believe your top four is probably good, solidified for the next probably seven to ten years. Yes. Possibly. So, yeah, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. Those are our takes on both defensemen and goalies. And we will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Kaniac Report. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. Can't get enough of the Kaniac Report? For more content or to connect with the Sams, Check them out on Instagram and Twitter at The Kaniac Report. We'll see you next time.